Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we go free-for-all, as I haven't done a podcast outline. But we still cover all the latest news, plus all of the analysis of all the games in the men's and the women's Super Pessis. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Welcome to episode 29 of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast. I'm your host, Ian Alba, and joining me is our resident coach, it's Mikko Piorhanen. Mikko, how are you doing? All good. Uh, now the, now's the, like I said last time, it's that we are approaching the business end of the season, but now we are having this like all-star kind of a break, but after that we... <clears throat> hit the next year, so to say, but it's an exciting time now. Now things are shaping up in both men's and women's superpasses, so it's an, it's a good time to be an analyst at this time. Well, we're like you say, we're we're hitting this kind of strange period between the midsummer break and the, the Atalansi break. It's almost like a bit between Christmas and New Year. Um lots of celebrations going on. Uh, no games um, obviously other than the Atalanta game but we're reaching that business end of the season now and it's been a great season so far lots of uh, interesting uh, things to, to look at um, The <laughs> it's been incredibly busy um, over here in the UK at my end recently and we haven't even put a podcast outline together for today so this is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a general chat about some of the things that have been going on. But uh, some of the things, obviously, um, that have happened since our last podcast um, was we've got the full lineups now for the uh, Italanzi sides. Um, not really many surprises in there, but of course we've seen a change uh, with Arpoco Malainen uh, coming in as a pitcher instead of uh, Yannicky Vipeldo. Um Mika, what did you think of those lineups? I know we talked about um, Apple Gormelin and uh, perhaps being worthy of that uh, that spot uh, before he's uh, he's taken Kivipelto's place. Yeah, I think that that was uh, <clears throat> just a bit of a side note in the whole uh, whole thing because uh, Apple Gormelin is already worthy of that spot and uh Kibi Belbo has been going through some issues lately so uh, and he hasn't been playing so uh so that's a natural choice and uh yeah not not so many surprises i did my own uh italian teams for our show at great cost and uh yeah, there were like just some uh, selections that I was like, I was more surprised to to see that like the the outfield experts for me are still uh, a bit undervalued. I mean, a couple of them, like Irakusa, for example, get selected year in year out and he should be and and there are players like Walter Ilwoma for example from KPLs who um, who is on, on that super high level but I mean I I cannot I, I, I cannot get my head around the fact that you wouldn't select Severi Lassila from Bimpeli to to Italian because like 
he's they first of all they're leading the whole league and uh, he's also the he's the he's in the core of their outfield playing he has been that for years and we all know his level and uh, so it's uh, I, I just think that he's a spectacular player and should be in that game like every year when he plays on this level but but yeah other than that it was like pretty much expected in both men's and women's teams yeah well I decided to um one of the things we often talk about is um, defensive statistics and the fact that there aren't any um, certainly none that are published and I decided to take a look at um, the Sotokomo and Vimpoli game a few weeks back now and just really focus on who was doing what defensively and who was making the outs and who was fielding well and so on and so forth. So we're just focusing on that. Um, and Severo Lassila, like you say, an incredible fielder, incredible player. Um, but uh, you know, seems seems to get overlooked in things like uh, Italanzi. I, I do wonder how much defense is valued at the Italanzi game. Uh, in particular, when you end up getting a, a slightly kind of hemmed-in um, field a lot of the time with extra seating going down the side, uh, like we saw in Pori last year. So they don't tend to be that high scoring sometimes. Um, and, and whether selectors are just going for um, batting strength and, and power. Uh, in a way, yeah. But I, I think that it also has more to do with the fact that he plays in the same position as Thomas Yusila. And uh, the three-time player of the year and the game is played in Tampere. So it's like uh, he, he has to be selected. But I also said in my like in my notes that even like just select Lasila and put him in another position. That's like he, he can play somewhere else on the players of the, that level they can do that i mean it's like <clears throat> um it might be a poor comparison but uh like the english football team they they might have three like world c- class right backs for example but if you like it and, and in some other areas they might lack something uh, but uh, if you have the problem of having uh, two players of that caliber, uh, it in Pesapalo for sure, the other player can play in some other position for one game, which is just, it's not a national team game. And, 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 you know, it, it's not like baseball where the positions are fairly static. And the roles are very specific and defined, exactly. you know, like, for example, third base, you've got to have a really strong and quick arm. First base, you just got to be able to catch the ball <laughs> most of the time. So they usually put the worst fielder on first base. Um, you know, centre field, you've got to do a lot of running and so on and so forth. So um, in, in Pesapalo, you, you do see a lot of shifting in, in the field anyway, and a lot of people playing in various slightly different positions, although not technical different positions. So it's not impossible, um, as you say. And besides, you know, they're, they're often having to bat out of sequence in the lineup in comparison to where they might as well, and so they, they adapt to that pretty well. Um Obviously, we're we're approaching uh, the big games uh, this weekend. Um, stadium finally ready. Um, I'll be interested to check out the toilets when I go, Portaloo <laughs> 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 cabins and such. But um, in all seriousness, I'm I'm really glad that they've managed to to get this uh, on track. The promises uh, that were made. Uh, and like many promises that are made by politicians, um, are ones that have come come true. So, uh, 
Mick, are you excited for the uh, the weekend ahead? Yeah, I mean, now that we've seen the stadium and uh, we are recording this on Tuesday night and uh, it's been roughly one hour after the first official game that I saw played in, on the stadium between Monsey and KPL uh, has ended. So it looked uh, awesome and... Uh, it really is uh, like a stadium worthy of uh, building uh, building the organization to the next level even even more in the future but uh, <clears throat> and now they have these extra stands uh, which is the norm in Italansi so that you can have the capacity crowd so it means that you might not get that many home runs but the interesting fact is that when we're taking a look at the surface of the pitch uh, due to the construction work uh, the the pitch the the side of the pitch the part of the pitch that is near the home base that has had to be renewed due to the construction work because they had to remove the old one so that the all the machines were able to function there and uh, so that's an that's new and that's really soft so for example in men's game we're not gonna see like the they're not gonna be able to use that but on the outfield when we go from like second and third base towards the like the outfield, that is the old surface, and that is quite bouncy. That, for example, in today's game, the decisive hit was like Yuhapu Thimaki hit the ball to the outfield and it bounced over the outfielder. So it's like two two surfaces on one pitch. So that's that's pretty interesting. It'll be interesting to see how that um, how that looks in in real life. Um, I've seen obviously you know, countless times when the ball flies over a, a, an outfielder, and you just think, "Oh God!" You know, I, if that was me, I, I, my heart would just sink. You know, ball just bounces in front of me, goes straight over. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Uh, have you ever seen? Um, uh, certainly at a top level where t- there's two very different surfaces for a for a pitch not in that way no no because normally when you change the like the pitch you you do it like totally but and but i don't think that it's a bad solution as such because uh, for me uh for the quality of the game uh it's it's good to keep the so-called good part of the pitch intact. So the outfield that it's bouncy and it gives like uh, and that extra dimension that the ball is actually taking quick bounces and uh, we will see home runs. So I I think that it's it's a good one and they just had to make a compromise, but. Uh, but yeah, like we have seen compromises have had to be made on other things too, but uh, I'm just positive, positive about the whole scenario for now. And, uh, I'm just happy for those people that they are finally getting their, uh, fantastic looking stadium. Well, in other news, I've seen, um, more so in Urca spaces, games getting cancelled or rearranged due to um, COVID. Um, it's not quite had the, the effect that perhaps we were a little worried about so far. Um, I know a couple of players have had to you know, step outside of the lineup and, and self-isolate for some time. Um, Juha Korhonen, of course, um, who I interviewed in the last episode, um, he he agreed to the interview and then he got COVID, so we had to work around when he was feeling well enough for that. Um, 
But uh, Miko, what, what what do you think of the the situation so far? It's uh, like you said, it's been better than anticipated. Like uh, what we saw in the winter time, for example, when games had to be postponed or cancelled. But uh, so far, uh, knock on wood, but uh, so far so good. So it's been at at least on the super super basis level. It hasn't been a big issue in terms of postponing the games. It's been like uh, more than more like uh, some individuals in some teams having having COVID, and uh, that's about it. But uh, not not that major, fortunately. Well, hopefully, we'll carry on in this way for the remainder of the season and we'll we'll see very little disruption if, at all if any um another story that uh, I wanted to talk about uh, perhaps one I've I've followed a little bit because of um, my links with Harmina um but uh Donny Larkson, uh, earlier in the season he decided to step away uh, from the sport from playing for a while um to deal with some of his gambling issues He's now terminated his contract with IPV and signed with uh, Hamina for the remainder of the season. Um, obviously, I've I've been watching a lot of those games for the role that I play uh, with Hamina. Um, but he's been doing a an absolutely sterling job uh, for for them uh, since he's uh, signed for them. Um, Miko, what do you make of this return? Well, if we're Think about his caliber as a player. Uh, it's uh, 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 with all due respect to Kuspesis, he is like uh, he's playing in the wrong league. So it's like his his talent and his experience and uh, the the level of danger that he is able to create. At bat, for example, is just uh, it's enormous. That it, I, I think it speaks volumes that mm-hmm. uh, that, for example, an organization like Southcom and Yumu uh, saw thought that they could they could take care of the issues outside the field because they knew that if they can. Uh, get him to perform at his level on the pitch. Uh, he can play in a team that is fighting for the championship in Super Pesis. So, so it's like, uh, yeah, if he hits top form in Hamina, it's like, an, it's a kind of an asset that we have not seen in many years. To be honest, yeah. Well, I think it's a it's a great opportunity to get back into the the sport, but perhaps not feel the the same level of pressure to a certain degree as in in super basis. Um, I mean, there's there's pressure in Hamina, all right, for the men's team. They're um, currently sitting fifth in the table, looking for a, a playoff spot. Um, but in terms of what he's capable of and his level, he's clearly above uh, the Urquizpesis level. And as you say, should be on a team and was on a team um, that in their own right was fighting for um, championships. Um, I mean, even the year before when he was with KPL as well. Um, <laughs> so uh, we know what he's capable of. But I, I I like this move because I I see it as um in in Major League Baseball they have things like rehab assignments where players from the majors when they're injured or when they're coming back from personal issues or what have you and they've they've been away on the at the disabled list they come back on a rehab assignment at a lower level lower league just to get them back into the swing of things and I think this is a a good opportunity for both. Tony and for for Hamina, um, so I was I was pleased to see that. Um, if I if I put my links 
with, with humming it to one side for a second. I thought it was it was an interesting one, if nothing else. Yeah, it's a it's a shrewd timing for them, and uh, I I absolutely wish him all the best. And uh, like uh, ever since he came out with uh, like speaking out loud about these issues for. For me, it's 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 a part of like uh, getting the sport even more open, and uh, that we are able to uh, handle different kinds of issues as a community in in different ways. And uh, like you said, this is a, uh, this is a good way, and uh, uh, it's not like I'm. Banging, banging my own drum here, but I, I, I sent him a message that I, I, I was just uh, saying that I, I thought that it was brave to do what he did, and uh, just wished him all the best, uh, as I do now. Yeah. So that'll do it um, for the news uh, section part of this uh, episode. Um, and in fact, we'll probably uh, take a short break and then we'll really start looking at uh, how the team's actually been playing in the men's and women's super passes over the last three weeks. Okay, um, so welcome back. Um, we're talking about the, the team's performances, and obviously, with with delays with this podcast, we're we're now talking about three weeks worth. Although we did have the midsummer uh, break on our hands as well. Um, so as we as we stand, we're looking at the table and where we were last time. Mansa obviously have made a huge stride forward in terms of their position on the table, and actually their their playing and their performance has got better as well. Um, so things are starting to click, and as we mentioned uh, in the first half of the show, um, they've now got their stadium, and they've got somewhere to train, they've got somewhere to to improve on as well. So, um, yeah, Mansa seem seem to be uh, hitting that stride. Um, as I say at the moment. Um, Mika, what do you make of Mansa so far? Well, they're starting to look like the team that we all have anticipated uh, throughout the year. Now that they've gone through this test of uh, playing away from their home stadium and uh, practicing here and there and... uh, going through all kinds of hardships and uh, and now now the game is starting to look like like what they can do with that enormous potential and um, well uh, without injuries uh, it's a it's a sure thing that nobody wants to face them uh, in the playoffs so so they are, yeah, they're back and uh, they're performing on a high level. And uh, on, on today's game, we all also like heard that the community is like really into this new stadium and seeing all the stars playing back at their home stadium. And uh, you could hear the roar from the stands and it's like, yeah, it was good. And... Uh, I think that they're back. And uh, of course, the other team that needs to be mentioned when we're taking a look at the table is that uh, a lot of people put the top five together as a bunch uh, before the season. Maybe Tampere would be a bit apart and then KPL would be the main challenger. And... Uh, I, I need to say that a couple, a couple of people within the game, also quite close to Bimpeli, to be honest, they were thinking that maybe they are the team that is 
that are like follow uh, falling a bit from that pack. And now that we're looking at the table, they're like uh, I w- I would say that uh, it's almost a surefire thing that they're gonna win the regular season especially when you take a look at their schedule that is coming up because uh, if we are taking taking a look at the teams that they are facing uh, in the regular season from now on it they they have one of the easiest schedules to be honest uh, and uh, so they I, I think that they will uh, be number one in the regular season but uh, but yeah they have been impressive in every way I, I agree entirely I mean uh, Vimpley are something else um, I think they they really love being the the underdog here and and um, when everybody was writing them off as as being top of the league or possibly even challenging for a championship they've exceeded these expectations and we see it quite often from them perhaps more so than other teams um when people expect Vimpoli to do well that's when they usually start to fall apart um but they're doing incredibly well and, and just looking at the the schedule like you say they've got two games against Kankampa um, game against um, Senioki, Koskan Korva as well in there. Oh, sorry, two against Senioki. Um, and uh, Partio in Urheliat as well. So you'd be expecting three points from each of those games unless something terrible goes up. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's quite a nice little schedule for, for the rest of the uh, year. Although um, they've got Sotkamo twice and Mansa twice. So it depends how well those teams are doing towards that end of the season. Talking of Sotkamo, um, they're a team that at the moment seems to be hanging on in there, in the in the top of the table, despite some of their challenges and difficulties with injuries and so on. Um, I think it shows the level of talent the team has altogether, uh, that they're still managing to, to stay in that, uh, top five, but their their championship hopes are, are surely dented now, aren't they? Well, I I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I mean it depends on the, what kind of a roster they can put together. Let's say in August, because uh, now that their now their roster is so ridiculously thin. Like you said, they are just hanging in there. But the way that they are doing that is is hugely impressive. And the players who are supposed to carry the team, they they really are doing that. And some of the young players are really like coming to the fore that they are taking uh, steps forward. And when you, if you can add like a player like Jonerikkonen, later on to that team and get some t- games under his belt again. Uh, who knows? I mean, once again, one of those teams that they they have an amazing pitcher. They have uh, players like uh, in the... They might have to play with like six or seven players, uh, to be honest. But that might be enough. I mean, who knows? It's like uh, their opportunities are dented as far as regular season goes. But once again, like best out of five series, who wants to face them? <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, speaking of best out of five series, whilst we're talking about Sotkom, last year... We saw a an epic clash between Sotkamo and uh, Jon. So in the first round, since our last podcast, we've seen Jon take a bit of a dive um, in, in the table, and uh, they're uh, they're not doing too great at the moment. 
what what's going on in your Sue at the moment, Miko? They are like uh, like uh, how should I say? Uh, there's there's no fighting spirit in that team. Like they're I I describe them in Finnish as the like the the nice guy that the guy, girl. Uh, takes home to introduce to <laughs> her parents that they're they're all like that like uh, this uh, you don't have to be like fighting and screaming and doing that kind of stuff but they are like a deflated balloon to be honest I mean it's like there's uh, the, like the life had been sucked out of them like uh, it, and their fans are protesting that, that there's no like color and spirit and that kind of stuff in the team. And we have to remember that, like, since they have lost uh, players like Potimaki and Yosela, who bring like uh, so much energy and so much uh, entertainment to the games, and they have brought on their um, own prospects. Uh, they have not yet hit that like that level that is into anticipated of them, and uh, they are trying to make the moves that would take them like further on. But it's like I, there needs to be they're lacking a spark. They really are. And they need to get it, like, from somewhere. I don't care where. Like, like Juho Toivola is basically the only one who shows that energy and that kind of a, like, he's celebrating after each uh, run that he is able to bat in. But other than that, it's like uh, watching their games is like... Uh, <sighs> I, I don't know. It's it feels it, it's so boring. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just looking at the table here, and um, as of Tuesday, uh, they they won today, uh, obviously um, against Party um, but uh, they defensively they're not terrible, but not great. They've only scored 84 runs so far this season. I mean, you, you compare that with Hoven uh, Kantako, who are currently 8th, 125. Um, Kite, 91. Even Patioin have scored 88. I mean, they've played more games. <laughs> a couple more games. But still, a, a team so depleted as, as Patioin has been after after last season, and they've they've got all these younger, new players coming in. You'd expect more from a lineup like Johansu has. I mean, like you say, Toivola. Um, of course, we've got Patrick Valston still um, there. You know, it it isn't an exciting game, and I know that we've talked about some of the issues of having effectively, uh, effectively two pitchers on the lineup with Kosanen um, going into a joker role. Um, but like you say, just the spark doesn't seem to be there. We get inconsistencies. You know, some games are very good, and then some games are not so good. And and the last three weeks, we've seen a steady decline in that. I mean, this was a problem last year as well. Let's remember, um, this was a team that could face big teams and do well, and then sometimes they just didn't turn up. Do you think this is more more than just a little blip or a problem, but something that goes deeper within the way the, the team is functioning? Well, that's been on my mind frequently, to be honest. I mean, the, does it go deeper? Because uh, you you basically you change the whole personnel and. Yeah, you might have some injuries like Walston and uh, 
Tirkkonen and players like that who bring the bit of a spark when they're healthy. But uh, that's a lame excuse, if you ask me. And uh, does it go deeper? It's a, it's a really good question because uh, the, the fact is that they, they cannot go on like this for uh, another year. And uh, well, yeah, now they have uh, showed the uh, like their choices to the future by uh, signing up. Villa Valley for two years more and uh, so he will be the he will be the guy obviously because uh, Kozanain is 40 now and, uh, but uh, but still it's uh, it is something that uh, I, I know that they're they are thinking about but it's like uh, it is something that it's it's hard to create just out of nothing. Well, I tell you, a team who doesn't have a problem in the back rooms, who doesn't have a problem gaining in strength, and that's Kempele, because at the moment, at the time of recording, they're sitting in that fifth spot, the spot that um, a team like Johansu should be comfortably sat in, and yet. Kempley quite happy to to take that from them, doing incredibly well so far this season. Um, 132 runs scored for them, the second highest in the league. I mean, we we've talked about how they've built year on year um, this team, and uh, I'm I've been incredibly impressed with with them. I like the way that they have been building as a team rather than uh, doing a mansa and just buying players. Um, they, they've actually been building this and they've been building this brand. Um, are you impressed with Kempele so far? I mean, I, I like that team and uh, I, I like the way that they're playing. Occasionally they just meet a team like Vimpeli, for example, that just tears them apart. But uh, I think that it's uh, still a part of the process. And uh, in all honesty, Vimbley has been tearing a lot of uh, teams apart this season. But yeah, Kempele is like they are looking like a team that is actually ready to challenge the so-called big hitters of the league. I think that they are still lacking one or two parts uh, one or two players to be uh, serious, like a major contender. But uh, I I think that they are a breath of fresh air that I, I do enjoy watching them and I think that they are on the rise. Well, you talk about um, Vimpoli tearing them apart. Let's remember, they went to Sardekenta uh, a couple of weeks back now and took a point away. Um, they took it to a scoring contest and almost, almost, Came away with a victory, but a point um, against Vimpoli this year is not easy to come by. So that's that's certainly something um, that they can put their name to. Um, looking at their schedule going forwards, got a few games that they'd favour. A um, couple against Koskan Korva and uh, Kankampan Maila as well. You'd like to, to think that they'll take the full three points in each of those. Um, so I I suspect we're going to see them feature in the postseason quite quite obviously, but um, we might be talking about them in fifth place as we reach the end of the season. Um, the team I'm struggling to see a way out for here, of course, is uh, is Senioki. They have only had one win all season. Um, and I, I can't see it getting any easier for them. And I, I talked about this last time. It's not as if they're getting blown away in each game. Some games they're tying Yaxo, some games they're just behind by a single run. But they just don't have that extra gear to go on and win 
a Yankso or win the game. And, well, I, I think we're going to be talking in terms of relegation battles for them. Do you agree? I Yeah, it's a given. And it's, uh, it's frustrating to watch that they have a pitcher that could play uh, on a top six side. Uh, Jona Lehtinen, who has played in a great season so far. But uh, they cannot score if their lives depended on it. Like, uh, that's just an impossible task for them at the moment. And uh, but, but I would say the one thing that may give them a bit of a lifeline in that sense, they, I, I think they will get into that relegation dogfight. But uh, if you take a look at the scheduled strength and the remaining games, uh, I think that compared to their main opponents, that, that does give them a bit of an opportunity to get like uh, uh, ahead of uh, Kankampa. And even like they, they have a couple of games less played than Patioki. Uh, so it like uh, if they can hit that stride and uh, get just a couple of wins under their belt, but but it's like it's like you said that they have they have won one game this season, and we all know that what it does to your confidence, and and they have been to their, those situations like easily a dozen times by now when just one strike just one good hit would get them a point that that their outfield led by a great pitcher has provided that opportunity for them but they just failed to score and it's like It's it's incredible. They may go to Sotkama, for example, and play a game where they just concede one run in the whole game, and they they're not getting a single point. So that that tells the whole story, actually. Yeah, and, and you know, th- this is the thing. You know, like you say, defensively, they've set the scene, and then you've got. Your batting lineup ready to try and score, and I'm looking at the stats here. They're, they're terrible. Um, Marcus Halasolo, um, twenty runs batted in in the season from sixteen games, but a thirty-nine percent success rate in doing so with runners on third base. For, for their top scorer, that's not good enough. Um, that there's some clear problems there. The next highest. Um, is uh, Tony Mariamaki, 53% success rate, but only uh, eight RBIs. The, the, you know, so scoring runs not coming easy. Yeah, that that really shows in the stats. Um, and I think we were talking on the last podcast about how there are some key missing components in their lineup that um, it's almost like building an engine without some key components. It's just not working, or it's backfiring or something. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's going to be a struggle for them, but they have to turn things around, and they do have opportunities, like you say. I'm looking at the lineup now. Um, sorry, the schedule now. And they've got Kankampa three times from now until the end of the season, Patioki twice, I mean, they really are the main competitors here um, for, for relegation, let's be honest. So that's five of their remaining games. So if they if they take those opportunities, they can try and avoid that relegation. But if they if they blow those opportunities, then they're handing it to, to the other teams. But there we are. <laughs> um, so turning from the, the men's... Uh, super passes to the uh, women's super passes. Um, Mansa still uh, flying high at the top 
uh, in the women's super paces. Um, Pori uh, currently in second and Kiritaret uh, in, in third, really separating away from, from the rest of the league at the moment. Lapua um, relatively comfortable in fourth, but they're, they're a few games behind. Um, still excited when I see Vasa um, play. Um, they've had a bit of a bad run of form recently, but they currently sit eighth. Um, they've got two uh, games coming up back to back against Pertan. Um, you'd like to think they'll they'll win those, and that could boost their chances. But still, looking like a, a top eight side. Yeah, they are. I mean, they they had a bad patch. Uh, one moment but uh, it was to be expected because the start of the season was phenomenal and at some point like a uh, promoted side just will hit that wall uh, but but that being said I mean Bertua is another promoted side from last year and they are like uh, even though Bertua hasn't been like uh, they haven't been awful either but still like Vasa has been playing uh, at times especially defensively they have been playing is extremely well and uh, and yeah those are those are big games and uh, and the one thing is that if you take a look at the chasing pack, so to say, behind them, it's uh, nobody's showing that kind of form that would like launch them into playoff fight. And uh, I just uh, I, I would like to highlight that that for example this week uh, the the games in Helsinki and near Helsinki so it's not like a local rivalry but the the closest that we would get between Rajutaret and Huvika. Those are decisive games because they play twice like uh, against each other and if if one team manages to get two wins out of them that would uh, really enhance their playoff uh, chances but but lately they neither one of those teams have been playing uh on on a level that would like uh, show any signs of uh getting into playoff spots and speaking of women's superposes i would like to raise like uh three quick points uh first of all uh raman Ferra at on sixth place, uh, beat Manse at at home. Uh, lately, they they have been playing like excellent Pesapala at times. I I think they have their pack together right now, and they're improving. And they have been the like the one of the bright spots uh, this season. And um, it, yeah, but yeah, uh, once again, not uh, the it's it's not a humble brag that when I did the uh, season preview, the teams were exactly on those spots that they are right now. So, <laughs> where well, actually, I had Pori first, and I think Giritan at second and Mansa third, but but anyway. But, uh, and, and the second one is that Kiritar had won twice against Bori. So that was a main, that was a big thing that they, they went to Bori and really like picked them apart. And after, after that, uh, they just, um, managed to scrap like, uh, fight, uh, win, win in the scoring contest in their, uh, home like in their home game, despite being a bit of an underdog in that game, when we take a look at the big picture, uh, 
in in that game but those were big big wins for Kiritanet and uh, on in terms of the individual uh, statistics uh, we're seeing something phenomenal maybe like history making in terms of runs batted like uh, Siri Escola from Monse uh, right now, if we take a look at the stats, that what uh, how they're faring, it's like uh, she's she's played basically like she has sixty runs batted in. The second on the list, Susana Puisto has a forty-six. And the third one has Sarakujanen from Kiritaret has 34. So it's like they're playing in different different leagues. And uh, like 60 runs batted in at this point of the season. They have played 13 games. And so it's almost an average of five in each game. And she's she's not even a joker. She she plays on the outfield, so she's well within like uh, if she keeps up this pace, she might hit like one hundred RBIs on on a regular season, which would easily first of all it would easily be the all time record on in women's super passes. And coming up from a player who do, who doesn't even play as a joker, that would be something that, uh, like, mind blowing to to be honest. So that's that's something to keep an eye on. Well, we talked about um, Serie Scola um, being uh, selected for for Italansi last time, and I'm pleased to see that. Looking at her statistics again. Uh, in this podcast, and actually going back to that season two years ago when we were talking about Emma Kirker and how well she was doing. Well, uh, Emma Kirker hit eight home runs for the whole season and 55 at RBI, so a total of 63. Um, we're about halfway through the season at the moment, 13 games played for, for City. Um, seven home runs and 53 already. So putting it into the context of <laughs> of that season for Emma Kirka, it's just really incredible, like you say. And when you consider that she's not even a joker, so she, she has a fixed position in the lineup, you get what you get in terms of the runners on base before you. Um, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. And a, a real... You know, testament to how well both she is doing and the team generally are, are uh, being supported around her. Um, it's no wonder that they find themselves at the top of the table with those kind of stats. Um, you mentioned about um, Kiritaret and uh, their sort of recent rise, the, the two games against uh, Pori as well. Um, it, it's incredible um, when you think how well Pori uh, started this season and how poorly Agiritret started as well. So they're now back in the mix. Um, with Rauma, I I did a game review of the, the Vasa and Rauma game because obviously um, Venatanhoa used to be their pitcher, sister <laughs> still plays uh, for them, I know. So it was, it was an interesting match to watch, but it was... It became an obvious mismatch when you started to watch it because Rama clearly had the edge uh, on Varsa. And uh, yeah, they, they sit currently at fifth in the table. The last few games that they've had have been uh, have been solid. Uh, beat Mansa, like you, you say, an incredible result from them. Their schedule coming up doesn't look too bad, actually. They, they do have Pori twice and Mansa once, but they've got a couple of games against 
teams like Tarko, um, Kempele, uh, and Pertan. So, yeah, you'd, you'd like to think that they'll they'll stay in that sixth spot, if not try and push uh, for for higher. But um, yeah, incredible stuff from from them. We spoke about how challenging things have been for Kempele at the start of the season. They're still towards the bottom end of the table uh, in the women's super basis. They currently are on eight points, um, equal with uh, Huvinka. Things starting to get a little bit better there in Kempele. They've they've now hit 70 runs in the season so far. Um can can you see them getting out of that um, the bottom two or three spots? Well, they would. They do have the potential in the team to play on a like on a level that is a bit higher. Uh, they would need to be closer to the playoff spots, to be honest. And uh, for me, Kempele, uh, Tarko and uh, Seinejoki, they have been the underperformers of the season so far because uh, Seinejoki is like uh, they're they might improve their game but they were supposed to push for the top four this season and instead of that they are declining like a bit and Obviously, they have big games against their local rivals, uh, Lapua, coming up. And those games can change a lot. But in their game, there's not a lot of like signs of things improving quickly. Uh, Tarko is also a team that every now and then comes up with a, like a good result, for example. But... But they, for example, they went to Barca and they were beaten fair and square. Not like uh, it wasn't like a completely one-sided match, but it was a huge loss for them. And uh, and yeah, uh, like I said, the chasing pack for the playoff spots is not looking like... Uh, None of them are looking that good, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But then again, you know, we're dealing with eight playoff spots for only 12 teams in the league. You know, at the end of the day, when you're taking two thirds of the teams to the playoffs, you're going to have teams in there who aren't performing well, um, just just as it happens. But yeah, Taco are, are not looking that great. Um, they've actually scored the lowest number of runs for any team in women's super places so far this season with 42. Um, and we talked about how dismal Kempele's sort of game was a few weeks back. Um, they've actually scored 70 so far, as I say. So, you know, that spark isn't really there for them. Occasionally, like you say, they'll put up some good results. But... Um, I, I can't see them in uh, in the top eight, especially if Varsa are, uh, are doing so well. Roy Huteret have their moments, um, and they can disrupt Huvinka as well. You know, they they beat them earlier on this season. They've got two games coming up uh, in the next seven days. Um, so, yeah, you know, those two will be crunch matches for them, like you say, because that really is their closest rival, not just geographically, <laughs> but probably about where the performance level is at as well. Yeah. I mean, if if uh, either one of those teams is able to take, uh, like, let's say, four, five or six points from those games, then we're talking about, like, playoff caliber performances. But... Uh, yeah, it remains to be seen. So that's how uh, the teams have been performing in the men's and the women's uh, Super Pisces. And uh, that'll just about do it for uh, this episode as well, actually. 
so thank you very much uh, for listening. If you like what you hear, then please like or subscribe. Heck, even leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. If you want to uh, hear more about us, then please feel free to uh, read some of my dribblings on the blog. Um, that's uh, superpessisroundup.wordpress.com. And occasionally you'll see me writing uh, some interesting articles for Hamina on the team's website, and occasionally also for Poltolinia as well. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at SuperPessisR or on Facebook. Uh, but that'll just about do it for us uh, today. So I want to thank, of course, my co-host, uh, Mikko Pirhonen. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be here uh, after a short break. And uh, me, Ian Alba. What do you know? We got through a show without a, a podcast outline. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we got all this like uh, all star stuff coming up, and yeah, it's good. Yeah. So as you say, Italansi just around the corner now. Um, so I want to say thank you to everybody for listening, and now see you soon. That's hidden far away